Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Here's Alexis Sanchez. What a finish. Walcott's going to go through and score. Into the middle. Giroud is two. Hello, I'm Russell Hargreaves, welcoming you to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast for the week of the 2nd of May 2016. On this week's show, Jack Wilshire stops by to talk about his return from injury. The Iceman, Dennis Bergkamp, reveals what he's been up to since retiring from the game. We also meet our new Guna of the Month. But let's kick off with the weekend review. Arsenal took on Norwich City in the early evening kickoff on Saturday, looking to turn up the pressure on both Manchester City and Tottenham Hotspur. But it was the visitors who took the game to the Gunners early on, with Nathan Redmond forcing Peter Cech into two good saves. Still Houlihan looks to play it over to that left-hand side where Martin Olsen is. Olsen with a cross in, and it'll pop over to the right-hand side, and the shot is saved by Peter Cech. In the end, I think it was Nathan Redman that got the shot off Stephen. Yeah, it was. It was a good save from Peter Cech. Sloppy play from Arsenal. You know, too slow in the build-up. And, and Norwich broke. Wes Houlihan picked the ball up and was driving at the back four. Travelled 20, 30 yards with the ball. Flicked the ball out wide to, to Brady. The ball's gone all the way through to, to, to Brady. No, sorry, Redman, who took, who took, the, took a touch and took a shot. And that was going in. That's a, you know, poor defensively from Arsenal there in the middle of the park. But uh, we definitely got players on the bench as well that... If this game carries, oh, there's a chance. Redmond gets the shot off. Terrific save from Pedacek. Comes towards Jerome. Now it's with Houlihan inside the penalty area. Chips it, ricochets around. Arsenal living dangerously at the back. This is Houlihan again. Arsenal failed to hit the target in the first half, so Arsene Wenger called on substitute Danny Welbeck to change the team's fortunes ten minutes into the second period. And that move paid off just three minutes later after some fine build-up work from Olivier Giroud. This is Bayard in, chips in inside the box. Giroud looks to knock it down. Welbeck with a shot! <laughs> Danny Welbeck has scored against Norwich again. His introduction, the catalyst and the spark that Arsenal needed. And the Gunners finally have broke through this dogged Norwich defence. Well, it's no surprise. We were talking about it for the whole game. Get more people in the box and you get that bit of luck. It's exactly what happens. Arsenal... Nice and patient. The ball goes out wide. You've got to give credit to Olivier Giroud. It's a lovely cushion header to him. And there was more bodies in the box. Norwich players were, 
weren't too sure to pick up and he had to let the ball come down. He didn't rush it. Danny Welbeck took a slight deflection off Basong and found the corner on it. What an introduction that is. The Gunners were unable to add to their lead, but it was enough to guarantee a precious three points and give the team a much-needed win, as stated by the boss in his post-match media conference. Much uh, wanted and needed and uh, difficult, but uh, we uh, played against a team who was, was very well organised. We didn't find uh, a good pace in our game, uh, but uh, we were serious and organised and uh, in the end uh, we got the win. In the first half we needed to be patient. We need Peter as well once or twice. And after that, I think in the second half, uh, it's a deserved win against a team who fights not to go down. That's a typical game that you get. We played Sunderland, Norwich, uh, got two similar games. Arsene Wenger also addressed the issue of his team scoring less goals this season than last. What is uh, the problem we have faced this season? Is that exactly the problem we had today? Is that uh, we lost in the first game of the season? against a team who sat very deep, didn't come out, and, and uh, uh, after that, all the uh, teams came here and sit very deep, and we did not find a way, uh, or in the air, on the ground always, to, to score the goals. And uh, today again, I think we were, once we were one nil up, there were more goals in the game for us, but we couldn't finish the game off. And, uh, so you always uh, uh, can be caught back. Uh, Crystal Palace is 1-1. But I agree with you that uh, we uh, have not sought, solved that problem against teams who sit deep. When you, why did we have uh, fantastic results against the teams at the top of the table? Because they come more out, they play more. And the game was more side to side. We had the problem if we couldn't so solve uh, this season is against the team who sit in front of their box. The win sets up next Sunday's trip to the Etihad Stadium perfectly, with the winner believing that they will secure an all-important third-place finish now and avoid a Champions League playoff. Jack Wilshere was back in the matchday squad at the Emirates for the first time in almost a year yesterday, and we'll speak to him next. Jack Wilshire returned from almost a year out on the sidelines when he came on in the 0-0 draw against Sunderland last weekend. Jack spoke to Arsenal media's Chris Harris, who started by asking about the famous team goal against Norwich almost two seasons ago. Well, I remember they, we won the ball. They were on the attack, we won the ball, and it started off a bit slow, and a few of their players were out of position. Flamini gave it to me, and I sort of ran across the field with it, thinking about what to do with it. I think it was Santi. Did I play it to Santi or was it Kieran Gibbs? I think I played to Kieran Gibbs, who then played it to Santi. And as we moved up the pitch, their players sort of started to, to sit back and you know sort of stop us from going through the middle. And I knew if you know we played quick, we could get it through. And you know, looking back on it now, yeah, it all happened so quick. You know, that's a proper Arsenal goal, if you like. You celebrated with Giroud. Do you remember the kind of emotions and, and, the, and the conversation you had? I remember Giroud said to me straight after, well, that was a good one. But you know, when you're playing and you know, it's all happening so quick, you don't really think about that. It wasn't until after a half-time one of their players said to me, oh my God, that was, that was a, a special goal. And 
And then, yeah, when, when I saw it after the match of the day, I realised that it was, it was one of the best. The sheer speed of that movement in, the, in, the, in and around the penalty area was <clears throat> just incredible. Yeah, you can't defend that. You know, I know, you know you talk to any defender, they hate quick, sharp play around their feet. You know, it's hard for them to move. And, you know, and also, with the runners we have, you know, getting in behind and the time of the pass, the time of the Giroud flick, you know, it looked like I was, was offside. But if you look it back, I was maybe a foot or, t or two foot onside. And a right foot finish. Yeah, I mean that it, that happened again so quick. It just fell to my right foot, and it was almost like the natural movement of my body just to put it in my right. Jack, you said at the weekend you had another big week of training ahead of you. How's the week going for you? Yeah, it's gone well. Um, trained two two days now: Tuesday, Wednesday, two hard sessions, and I mean that's what I need now. You know, I need that competition. I need to play against the players we got here, the defenders, and you know get back in the flow of a full training and you know then hopefully when the weekend comes I'll be selected again. The boss often talks about that burst you have, that yeah. explosiveness to go past your man. Do you feel that coming back? How much of, of there is it to come? Yeah, again with with full training that that comes, you know, I mean as well you can do all the gym work and but once you're in full training you're thinking about things and you're moving and you have to push it past players and they're fighting against you. That's when that really comes and and I've, I can feel it coming back now. Can you put into words the elation you feel being back in the group, back on the pitch? I think it's hard to put into words. You know, it's, maybe it hasn't sunk in yet, you know, because, you know, I mean, I've been back now for four weeks, but I haven't really played. I think that's, that's the, um, the ice on the cake when you're playing and training. But just to be back training with the team and, you know, able to, to train with them every day and, and almost be normal again, is a is a good feeling. You've been here before, of course. Is there anything you can do differently, or is it just a case of needing a better luck around the game? Yeah, no, I don't think there's anything I can do differently. You know, all my injuries have been impact injuries, and I've been a little bit unfortunate. Maybe sometimes I've overrun the ball a little bit, and I can maybe work on that. You know, dribbling with the ball, the ball close to your foot. But apart from that, you know, just got a train every day and I've never really had injuries with, with my muscles or problems about that. It's just the impact injuries so you know, hopefully this time I can avoid them. The boss says that your style of play provokes more challenges yeah. but he's also said he, he'd never change that about you because that you create so many chances that way. How, how can you change the way you play? Yeah again, you know, I'm not, I'm not one of the players that are, are blessed with, you know, with Theo's pace for instance who can run behind. You know, I, when I'm on the ball, if I want to take on a player I have to get close to him which is is going to cause him to, you know, attempt to tackle or, you know, maybe mistime it as we've seen in the past. But that's part of my game, you know. And even when I was injured, you know, sometimes I think, oh, you know, I read a few things. Maybe some people are right. Maybe I should pass a little bit more or, you know, pass it quicker. But as soon as I get back on the ball and back into training, you know, as soon as I pick up the ball and there's an opportunity for me to to run with it, that's all I want to do. So I don't think I can change. Three games to go for Arsenal this season. What's a realistic target for you in, in terms of game time? Yeah, well, it was nice to get on at the weekend. You know, if I'm honest, I didn't expect that. And I spoke to the boss in, in the week and he said to me that he might take me. You know, so I wasn't guaranteed to even go. And then I went and, you know, I've been, as, as you said, I've been here before. And, you know, often the first few games just sat on the bench watching and, you know, you don't get a chance to go on. But I hope, uh, luckily, I, I got... I got to go on, I felt good, you know, and and I said after the game I need a good week 
weeks of training, I've got that, so hopefully I'll be in the squad this weekend and maybe get some minutes. Roy Hodgson has left the door open for Jack to make his way into the England squad for the European Championships this summer. It'd be a great finish for what has been a frustrating season for him. Let's meet Alguna of the month. Alguna for the month for May comes all the way from Melbourne, Australia. And I'm delighted to welcome to the Arsenal Weekly podcast, Naman Mada. Uh, Naman, hello, my friend. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? Yeah, very good, thank you. Great to have you on all the way from the other side of the world, of course. If you can maybe just start by telling us all just a little bit about how you got into supporting Arsenal. Uh, I've been supporting Arsenal for a decade now, more than that. Uh, I'm originally from India and, uh, you know, I've loved watching football from childhood, particularly the Football World Cup. It was in 2005-06 when I first started watching the EPL and I fell in love with Arsenal instantly, particularly because of uh, Arsene Wenger, his uh, philosophy, his team, the way the team played, his philosophy of uh, playing the youth players. It's been more than a decade and I still love the club crazily. And now I'm currently in Australia. It's, it's, uh, I'm very excited that uh, Arsenal are supposed to visit next year in Sydney and I'll make sure that I travel for Melbourne. Yeah, we'll maybe talk about that next, as you rightly say, Nam. And obviously the Arsenal tour is to Australia next year, isn't it? So a great chance for fans down under to see the club up close and personal and, and get a real flavour of it. And, and as you say, you'll be making that trip across to watch Arsenal live for the first time in my life. I'm really looking forward to it. A lot of my friends here are very happy about it. We are already making plans of a three or four day trip to Sydney and we are like contacting the Arsenal official club in Australia so that we can be a part of not just the matches but also the events and we're really excited about it. That's the thing as well, isn't it? It's not just the football, though the football is very, very important, but it's that, that broader part, isn't it? And the chance to kind of really feel that you, you belong in and around the club setup for a few days, which, which these kind of tours really do kind of make possible. Exactly. And you can interact with the players. You can see them. It's not just the game. Of course, we'll watch Arsenal play football, but... But of course, you know, meeting the players, it, it, it will be a dream come true completely. And obviously the commitment for you guys as well to have your, your group of Arsenal fans down in Melbourne. When the Arsenal play games, often the time zone shift is, is very, very difficult to be able to watch them, isn't it? Yeah, often the games are late at night, say 2, 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning. We try to watch as many games as possible. If there is an early kickoff, uh, a noon kickoff in UK, then we definitely can... Uh, you know, arrange games and, and watch it in a pub together. Else we do try to make sure that we at least watch the game. Uh, it's difficult, but then again, it's a charm of supporting Arsenal that we wake up at three o'clock in the morning to watch the game. <laughs> and just tell me about your match day kind of ritual, what you and your friends do, who they are, where you go to watch the games. What is kind of your Arsenal are playing later on kind of day, if you see what I mean? Um, mostly, if we are watching the game together, we sometimes meet up at friend places. Well, I was back in India, we used to do that a lot of times. There's a, I'm actually from Kolkata, so we had an official Arsenal club there. Uh, so we used to like uh, 
dress up in Arsenal kits, definitely make, make sure that you reach the place around an hour before. And out here in Melbourne, we have this bar in Flinders uh, Street in the main city where a lot of Arsenal fans turn up before the game if it is a 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock in the night kickoff. And uh, there is definitely there's drinks, but more than that is the it's the brotherhood that we see among the fans who will definitely turn up if the game is at the right time. Brilliant. I know Flinders Street well, right by the station. It's a nice part of Melbourne, believe you me. Um, what would you say are one or two of the things you've enjoyed most about supporting Arsenal in terms of, of the memories since you've got involved supporting the club, some of the, the successes and, and the great moments? Um, in my tenure of supporting Arsenal, it's been a decade. So the biggest moment, of course, has to be the 2014 uh, FA Cup final that we beat. All, and what a comeback that was. It was unbelievable when Aaron Ramsey scored that uh, winner. Uh, apart from that, the famous night is, of course, uh, beating Barcelona at the Emirates with the Ashavin goal, which will forever live in my memory. And uh, also a win against AC Milan and San Siro uh, in the away leg. There are some brilliant memories that I have. And uh, the one that tops the list is definitely the, the first trophy that we had after the time with Aaron Ramsey scoring the winner against Charlotte Wembley. And where were you for that one? Were you still in India at that point or were you in Australia by then? Or I was in India. Uh, I was watching the game alone because I was very nervous. Uh, I was completely in Arsenal kit back at home and <laughs> I was literally in tears at the end of the game. It, 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 it was such a brilliant game to come back from 2-0 down in such a high-pressure game. And that was the first trophy I had seen Arsenal win. It was a moment that I won't forget easily. And then you go from obviously watching Arsenal in India to watching Arsenal in Australia. Um, do you also follow the A-League, the domestic league? Is the kind of a way that some fans have their English team, their EPL team and also their local side? Can you kind of mix the two? How does it work? Uh, yeah, I do follow the A-League a bit. I also watch the I-League in India. When Apart from following Arsenal, I was uh, supporting East Bengal. And uh, that's like a Kolkata club. And here I uh, follow Melbourne City, which is the sister club of Manchester City. Uh, but then again, uh, like the way we support Arsenal, it's not the same for Melbourne City. Since I'm from Kolkata, my relationship with uh, East Bengal is a bit more because it's a local club. And Arsenal, the relationship has been longer. It's been 10 years. I feel a massive love for the club that can't be replicated very easily for an A-League side at the moment. We try to make sure that the because the uh, EPL is happening later in the night, so to make sure that makes sure that we, the times do not overlap. Yeah, which so works very well it does actually. Make it easier. Yeah, no, it makes yeah, perfect, perfect sense. Perfect. Um, so hopefully, yeah. tell me, uh, Naman, will you get here? Will you get to the Emirates Stadium at some point? Is this your the plan for the next step? You'll see them live in Sydney in a few months, and then hopefully. You'll get here one day. Is that is that the dream? It's definitely the dream. My friends do ask me, where do I want to go? And I always come up with London. That's one of the biggest dreams that I have. Hopefully it can happen over the next few years. Uh, the first thing that I'll do when I'm in London is to watch an Arsenal match and then go to the Emirates for a stadium tour and completely have that experience. That is something that not only me, but many gunas that I know from India and also from Australia, they definitely cherish that. They definitely part of their life as a dream that, that has to come to one day. And it will. 
I'm sure it will. We'll be sure to let us know as well when you're coming up one day and we'll, uh, we'll bring you in here to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast headquarters as well. Um, as we let you go, just say to us, what is the most special thing, what is the best thing about being an Arsenal fan? The best thing about being an Arsenal fan that I believe is that we, I feel a part of a family. Not only with the fans, not only with the fans considering themselves as brothers, but also the feeling that I get from the club, from the players, from the manager, from the management. It all feels like a family, a close unit. Uh, it definitely brings around a love for me from the club, where, where I feel that I'm a part of the entire thing. It's not just like we are watching the games in the sense that we just want to see the club win. It's more than that. I, I know that I cannot probably explain it properly in words, but Arsenal feels like a family to me. Brilliant. And what's the day job, I should ask you, as we let you go? What, what do you have to juggle as your career to do all of this? I'm currently in IT. Uh, I'm currently, I was also in India working in IT and I'm, I'm doing the same in Australia at the moment. Fantastic stuff. Well, listen, Naman, thank you so much for coming on the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. It's been a pleasure. And, and of course, congratulations on being voted our Guna for the month for May. Well done. Thank you. Thanks a lot for inviting me on the show. No problem at all. Take care. That is Naman Mehra, who is our Guna for the month here on the Arsenal Weekly Podcast for May. Coming up in just a couple of moments, it's time for another history lesson. And it's Adams, put through by Bold. Would you believe it? Or Charlie George, who can hit him. Oh, it's up for grabs now. On May the 7th, 2006, Highbury played host to its final game of professional football as Arsenal hosted Wigan Athletic on the last day of the Premier League season. The Gunners about to come out at this ground for the last time before they upgrade from this stylish, but in today's terms, small, stately home of football to luxury accommodation nearby. But the focus here is on the Gunners who need a better result than Tottenham's at West Ham. If they get it, then fourth spot is theirs. With both Spurs and Arsenal losing 2-1, Thierry Henry took centre stage, writing his name into the Highbury record books one more time. It's Henry. He's in. It's 2-2. performances it would be inappropriate if he wasn't in on the act but this was much needed by Arsenal whether that means a Champions League qualifying chance just depends on what Arsenal do and the ultimate of footballing iron is all and it's what Wigan do here Henri skip round Collette's Thierry Henri puts Arsenal 3-2 in front and when you needed something to go for you that has happened. Well, it's a gift, but one gratefully taken. Whatever Thierry Henry achieves. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. His name will be forever associated with Highbury. Here he has a hat trick. The king of Highbury. And that is it. Football is finished at Highbury for all time. And it's finished with a Thierry Henry hat trick that has turned a 2 1 deficit into a 4 2 win. After 93 years, Arsenal say farewell in the grand manner. A million memories, and he's been responsible for so many. But the final one is of a victory. The 4-2 win, coupled with Tottenham's defeat at Upton Park, meant that Arsenal secured fourth place and Champions League football. Here is Thierry Henry remembering that special day. We won, final day, and... Uh... Uh, we clinched the, the, the fourth, uh, fourth spot in, in front of Tottenham. Um, it was amazing. I only played um, seven years, you know, some guys played more than me, but uh, I felt comfortable there. It was like a proper, a proper pitch, a proper football pitch, and um, something did die that day uh, in me. I knew I was never going to come back there. Whatever, whatever happen you know it's it's gone forever it's not like you can see it again and and sit down and kind of relieve the memories and 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 whatever you can always you know you have videos or whatever it's, but it's not the same if you can't go back to the to the stadium i always regarded our uh, ivory as uh, as my garden I always used to say and joke about it, you know, I used to say it's my, my bike garden because... And one thing that I'm proud of, uh, if I can say, is nobody will ever beat my record there. Because I scored the most uh, goals at, at Ibury and, and now I know that's, uh, uh, that will be impossible, obviously. And uh, uh, when the stadium, you know, when I knew it was going to be the, the last day, I knew that record was going to go also with the stadium and a part of me was going to, to die also uh, with the stadium. We'll have another history lesson next week, but next we'll be talking to the man who played his final professional match in that game at Highbury, Dennis Bergkamp. 
Dennis Bergkamp spent 11 incredible seasons with Arsenal. And not only did he play in that final game at Highbury, but also had his testimonial open the Emirates Stadium. Dennis spoke with Arsenal media's Harry Hawke about his life immediately after retirement. So Dennis, um, so take me back 10 years ago, you were walking off the pitch after your testimonial. Um, what was going through your head at the time? Um, well, the, the, the one thing I was thinking of was um, uh, it's, it, it's finished now, you know, definitely. Of course, you were building up to it in, in, in the months leading up to that game. But um, yeah, that, that was it. It was an emotional day, a big day, uh, but the end of my career and that, uh, yeah, the next few moments, the next few weeks, you were thinking back of that career and uh, not worrying about uh, the, the next few uh, few years or the next phase in my uh, in my life. I was just thinking and focusing on the good things that uh, that I had at a, as a football player. The one thing I wanted to do was just get out of football uh, because that was uh, my decision and and just focus on family life and focus on doing the things that, that, that I like best. Just get out of the rhythm of football, of standing up, of waking up in the morning, breakfast, go to football, go to practice training and uh, then come back. Get out of that, that rhythm was my, uh, my, my aim, my goal. And um, it was nice, so, so I started uh, yeah, picking up golf again, you know, playing, uh, playing more golf than, than usual. Um, just, just, yeah, be a family man. That was basically what I, what I wanted to do. Just, just, yeah, relax and go out for dinner and uh, go into town and that sort of things. Just, yeah, just enjoying uh, retirement. So, how did uh, coaching come about? Why did you decide this is what you wanted to do next? Well, it, in those two years, uh, I, my uh, my son Mitchell, he was he was playing for an English team. Uh, uh, locally, and uh, sometimes, sometimes I've I, done a training session for them, and uh, I enjoyed it. I was, I was yeah, just writing down the training session I was going to do the next day, and and uh, yeah, I was really enjoying that. And uh, then after those two years in England, uh, at the end of the second year, I got a phone call from uh, Philip Koku, um, who was an assistant at the the, the, the national team. And he asked me if, if I wanted to do that, uh, that course, the, 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 the coaching course, the, to do my badges. Because as an ex-international, you can, you can do it uh, quicker than other uh, uh, people, other coaches who, who, who want to who pick, pick that up. And I was, um, I was wondering, is that for me, you know, coaching and stuff? Uh, first I said no, but I, plus that, plus I wanted to come come back to Holland to live in Holland for uh, for a while to see how that would would go because we never lived as a family in Holland always abroad so uh, yeah I was wondering how how that would be and I made the decision to come back to Holland as a family we lived here and uh, and I picked up uh, to do my badges I mean Dennis Bergkamp the player obviously had a lot of respect because you know you had mm. your ability but as a coach you, you had to earn a new respect and yeah did you enjoy that challenge yeah it was good because um, well, it, it, it was like a class with, what was it, maybe 20, 24 um, people there. Uh, half of them I, I played against or, or played with in, in my time in Holland. Um, uh, I was there with Patrick Kluivert, uh, Reiseker, Philip Koku. We were in the same classroom and so we talked about uh, professional football and 
but we were also interested in, in, in other people who, who, uh, who were coaching lower league teams, for example. Uh, they, they had to bring their own uh, uh, footballs from, uh, uh, from home and they had to set it all out, the whole training sessions uh, by themselves. Uh, whereas we are used for coach with two, three assistants, with uh, physios and everything. So, yeah, we combined that together. We, we talked about that a lot. And uh, that by itself is a learning, uh, learning process, of course, for, for, for both sides. I've been in coaching now about seven, eight years, I think, nine maybe. Um, the, the best thing for me is being on the pitch, and uh, especially with, with strikers. That, that's my, my kind of thing to... to to really uh, uh, teach them things that, that, that are the details of football. Uh, uh, how to control a ball, uh, how, to, uh, how to shoot a ball, how to pass it, how to look for other players. That's, that's my main thing. Therefore, my, my, my ambition is not really to be a head coach, to be the, 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 the top coach, but more how um, I work now in, in the coaching staff and play my part within the room. Uh, of the coaches, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm giving my opinion and, and, and tell them how I feel about it. But uh, uh, in the end, there's a head coach who, who decides what's, uh, what's happening. And um, yeah, my, my part is more on the pitch with the, with the players and, and especially the strikers. Adrian Clark will be presenting the match day show for the trip to Manchester City this coming Sunday. And Clarkie joins us now. Mate, how's it going, my friend? How are you? Yeah, very well, thank you, Russ. Yeah, all good. Not quite the same having you on the phone. Don't get to see your sharp dress and all of your snazzy clothing today. It's not the same, mate. <laughs> you don't want to know what I'm wearing today. <laughs> <laughs> the beauty of you being on the phone, believe you me. Um, now, <laughs> well, before we get into the, the Manchester City details, uh, we've just been hearing on the podcast from, from Dennis Bergkamp, and obviously an incredible player that you would have, I guess, trained with during your time with the club all those years ago. Trained and played with, yeah. Really privileged to be in the same team as Dennis Bergkamp. I mean, what a legend, what a player, and and a lovely bloke as well. I've got to say, he was um, he mucked in with the rest of the team. There wasn't any ego about him, and he he actually, I think, helped a lot of the other guys because he he was the best player, most talented by far. But he would always train really hard. He didn't have many kind of days off so to speak he would always be at it looking to improve and then he'd stay on and try and do extra bits of training afterwards so I think he had a really positive influence on everyone at the training ground but yeah hands down the best player I played with whenever he passed you the ball it was how you wanted to receive it and, and that was you know, it was just pure class so best, actually, almost in every sense then obviously talent and reading of the game but as you say application as well yeah, people don't realise that. I mean, these world-class players don't just become world-class purely by accident, purely because they were born with God-given talent. It's because they've also worked exceptionally hard and they've got that hunger to improve day in, day out. And he had it. And, yeah, he, he was just one of, the, well, he was one of the best players ever to put on an Arsenal shirt, that's for sure. And in that side, he was just the magic. We had a lot of hard work and a great defence. We had Paul Merson, obviously, who, who could sprinkle some magic from time to time. Ian Wright, of course, as well, who was superb. But 
Dennis Burkow. He was the go-to guy. Get the ball into Dennis, and you knew things would happen. So, yeah, he was um, a proper legend. Right, he called you. Was it the choir boy, the cherub, something like that? Did Dennis have a nickname for you? Or? <laughs> well, they all, they all used to call me the Reverend, actually. That's it. I mean, and yeah, he was uh, angelic in some form, yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. But um, he, yeah, he really he didn't take the mickey out of me too much, but he was very dry, actually, in terms of his sense of humour. He would certainly muck in with the lads. He, he was... Yeah, it, it, didn't, it didn't take him any time at all to, to get the banter, shall we say. Like it, like it. Now, let's move on from your thoughts on Dennis, and thanks so much for that, Clarky. On to the big game against Manchester City this coming Sunday. So, it's a strange season, isn't it, to quantify for City? I mean, there's so much that, that is frustrated too. Yeah, they haven't had a good season. I think domestically they've been quite poor, really. It's been... Um, they've been leaky at the back throughout the campaign. I think whenever companies been missing, they've looked vulnerable. Midfield, I wouldn't say they've really ever hit a consistent groove in there. You've got Fernandinho, I think, started the season superbly. He hasn't maintained it brilliantly. Toure, I think, is over the edge isn't he, in terms of his peak. He's, he's certainly a bit of a liability without the ball sometimes. Fernando's OK. And then, of their flair players, I'd say De Bruyne has been superb, a brilliant addition. And Aguero has been Aguero. <laughs> you know that he's going yeah. to deliver goals and goals and goals. Iheanacho's come through, but there have been a lot of disappointments. Navas, again, has been quiet. Sterling, hit or miss. Silva, I think you could perhaps put him in the category with Toure, saying that maybe his best days are behind him, even though he's still a class act. So, yeah, I think there are going to be wholesale changes and then some from Pep Guardiola this summer. So this particular group that, that Arsenal are going to play, I don't think it will resemble the City that we see next season at all. Mm, it's going to be fascinating to see. I still think Silver, if he can get himself fully fit again, has got a good few more years to give. But as you say, the, the ravages of those injuries can unfortunately affect a player prematurely, yeah. can't they? So we'll wait and see. Um, you mentioned, obviously, Guardiola coming in, Adrian. And, and this, to me, has been one of the issues. That OK, the form across the board hasn't been great domestically, but one of the biggest downturns came, didn't it, for a good chunk of time after it was announced that Pep was coming in and Pellegrini was effectively a dead man walking in that job. It's not ideal, is it? I mean, I have played in teams that have had caretaker managers and it's weird, to be, you know, for want of a better word, because you're not quite sure who you're, you're trying to impress. You've got your own professional pride. You want to do the business for the fans and for the club. But there's that little edge there where you think, well, this guy's not here next season. So, you know, I don't have to worry about impressing him day in, day out, maybe on the training ground so I think there's certainly a little bit of intensity that's gone from City's play they're obviously desperate to do well in the Champions League so you've seen a different side to them there but but yeah it hasn't helped but I can't I can't blame Pellegrini for wanting it to become public once he knew that he was a dead man walking that Guardiola was coming in I think it was in his interest to make it public just to stop the speculation and the persistent questioning that must have been doing his head in. So, yeah, look, they're still there or thereabouts, City, in terms of the top four because they've got so much talent. But I definitely think that, that as a team and in terms of their attitude, it's been a season to forget. And one other thing that really interests me, Adrian, is, is squad depth and strength in depth. And mm. as much as Arsenal have had their, their critics this season, as we know, one thing I feel that they've done very well is there's a nucleus of, of a good 20-odd 
players yeah, who are of, yeah. of good first-team quality and can come yeah. in and out and do at least a, a 7 out of 10 job, if not more. For mm. City, even though they've spent a huge amount of money over the years, they mm. don't seem to have that. I think there's a real noticeable drop-off when you go beyond about the top 15 or 16 players in their first-team well, squad. I'm glad you say that, Russ, because the general consensus is that our oh, City is at the best squad. They've got the most money, they've got the most powerful backups. And I would have said that was right three or four years ago or two or three years ago. But you're absolutely correct. I, I think that it's an ageing squad. They don't have the right backup key areas of the pitch. And, yeah, I agree with you. I think if, if they're, they're missing company, if they're missing De Bruyne, if they're missing Aguero, the backups aren't in the same league, the same for Hart. I don't think Caballero is, is, is on his level. Um, full-backs, I think, are, are, they're just growing a little bit old. They're past their best. The centre-halves, they spent an awful lot of money on, haven't ever looked that comfortable. Central midfield, I find it remarkable, really, that, that Fernandinho, Turan, and Fernando is, is the best that he can, can do. And, and obviously you've got Delph as a backup. Um, but, yeah, I, I just think with their, with their riches that they could have potentially got, got a, a stronger squad. But, look, they're going to next summer. That, that, you know that is a fact. He will have a Carl or Guardiola, but he will also bring in real talent. And he will have, I would imagine, 20 top-class players in, you know, ready to do the business for him next year. Just looking at the table, Clarky, Arsenal 67 points from 36 games. Mm. Man City 64 from 36 after their defeat over the weekend just gone. Man United 60 from 35. They've got a game in hand the midweek after next, haven't they? But this yeah. fight for third and, and fourth, it's still alive. But obviously after what's yeah. happened in recent days, Arsenal's position is far, far healthier at least, isn't it? Which takes a little bit of the pressure off ahead of this weekend, but clearly not too much. No, I think they need to approach this match Arsenal as if they need to win it I think the, it's not healthy really to go and play for draws I don't think that's really what Arsenal do even though I do expect the tactics to be similar to last year where the Gunners will let Man City have a lot of the ball and then be organised be compact and then look to be clinical when they get the chances on the break I, I don't I don't see Arsenal dominating possession in this game and, and that I think will be nice for them because in recent weeks <laughs> it seems like they've played a lot of sides that just don't want the ball and they've had to grind away and, and look to probe and probe and pass and pass and they haven't looked that good doing it Arsenal they've, they've laboured to some extent and they've thankfully got over the line in most of those matches but I think in a way it'll be a blessing where they can um, sit back and look to exploit the space on the counter so that's how I see this game going a draw will do, won't it? Because you've got to back Arsenal to beat Villa on the final day. I mean, that, that there, there is no three, no three point banker in this division, but that's as close as you're going to get, isn't it? Aston Villa on the final day. So a draw will be a great result for Arsenal, um, but I don't think they should set up to play for a draw. Clark, let's just finish with a few more specific sort of head-to-heads and so on. Let's go first of all with strengths and, and weaknesses of the of the potential starting 11s rather than the wider squads, if you see what yeah. I mean. OK. Um, well, I mean, Arsenal can get out, get out of this city defence. There's, there's no doubt about that. Um, what It can be a strength for them, can also be a weakness, Man City, in terms of the way they hold the edge of the 18-yard box. They're very 
good at it and they do it consistently well. So when you get to the edge of the box, they will hold that defensive line and they catch so many teams offside. But if you get it right in terms of your one-twos or slipping a little pass in for a runner, then City are extremely vulnerable, especially in the spaces between the centre-halves and the full-backs. And, and when I think about Arsenal's strength, that's where they are, I think, in terms of Mesut Ozil slipping those little balls in for your Alexis's, for your Welbecks, your Wobies and, and so forth. So, so I think Arsenal can, can hurt them in that regard. Um, but they've also got great talent, haven't they? And, and, and in De Bruyne, he's a player that, that worries me. I thought he was excellent at Emirates Stadium and he makes them tick. And, and the way that he travels with the ball is, is really good to watch. So I think if he plays centrally De Bruyne, which I think he probably will, then Mohamed Elneny has got a really big job to do. He's got to, he's got to stick with him and track him the whole way. Because if you let De Bruyne run at you and fire shots from the edge of the box, then he will score. It doesn't matter the Petr Cech's in goal, he's got the ability to score. So, so Elneny has got to look after De Bruyne. And is that your key battle then for the game? Well, it would be a key battle. But do you know what? I think you've got to look at this game and think clean sheet. Clean sheet gets Arsenal what they need to do, um, which is get that point, which, which would, should mean that City can't finish above them. So with that in mind, and the fact that City, even if they don't play that well, they will have pressure and they will create chances. So for me, it's Aguero against Czech. Aguero v Czech. If, if Czech wins that battle, keeps his clean sheet, Arsenal will qualify for the Champions League. It's as simple as that. In a sentence, Adrian, how do you beat Manchester City? Well, Arsenal know how to beat Manchester City. They did it last year. You concentrate without the ball and you take your chances. You're clinical at the other end of the pitch. It's all about focus for Arsenal in this game. They have the same focus as last year. They might just get the same result. Clark, you look forward to having you back in the studio next week, my friend. And as ever, thank you very much indeed for your time. Have a good one. Yeah, top man. See ya. That is Adrian Clark. You can log on to arsenal.com or the Arsenal mobile app for all the build-up to this must-win game for the Gunners. That's on Sunday from 3.30pm UK time, all followed by uninterrupted commentary of the match from four. That's full-time on this week's show. Our thanks to Jack Wilshire, Dennis Bergkamp, Naman Mera and to Adrian Clark for their contributions today. To make sure that you never miss a new show, subscribe on iTunes or follow Arsenal on our SoundCloud page. We'll be back on Monday the 9th of May and until then, it's bye for now and come on, you gunners. Thanks for listening and remember you can subscribe to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast on iTunes or listen to a new show every Monday on arsenal.com and SoundCloud. The Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. 
As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. 